0: If you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 22, 1 Peter chapter 1. Genesis chapter 22, 1 Peter chapter 1. Been going through some of the highlights in the book of Genesis here lately. Been a lot on Abraham's life. Not necessarily preaching through the book verse by verse, just doing some highlights of his life. And, and, uh, you come to this, this chapter here in verse 20 or chapter 22 where, you know, God had promised, um, Abraham, the very first time that we read of Abraham in t- chapter 12, God promises that he was going to bless him, and that he was going to be a blessing, and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in him, that that he was going to bless his seed. And remember Abraham, his wife was barren, Sarah couldn't have children, God uh, promised him a son. And so <clears throat> I would imagine in Abraham's mind he thought one of the main blessings was to have a son yet god had something that carried far more into uh everybody's life than just uh blessing uh him with a son that's why god's blessing work it it carries beyond us if you handle it in the way that god wants you to god wants to bless you but he wants you to to be a blessing and you know one thing that uh I'll be honest with you, I wrestled with this with this text. I've preached this several times, but for some reason this week I really wrestled with it and I tried to get away from it and I started to go to a different book and then I'd come back to it and wrestle some more. Because I was looking for some... I don't like to preach nothing that I don't apply in my own life and I was just looking for the application. And if you haven't preached before, you if you taught, you understand. Sometimes you get frustrated and you walk away and then you come back and you read again. And finally, you know, honestly, it wasn't until last night that I finally settled on this. And uh, hopefully it'll come out how the Lord showed me because it's real applicable in my life. I just didn't realize it at that point. Uh And I'll be honest with you, this gonna be, this, there's some difficult things in this text and the ones we're going to look at this morning. Uh, that I think that in American Christianity we we like to kind of dance around certain words in the Bible and we like to go around certain facts that the Bible teaches and we all want to really you know feel good type shallow faith that is all about kind of centrally focuses around us not all of us but <clears throat> that's not what this is when you look at this and maybe that's why I was wrestling with it so bad looking in um, in Genesis chapter twenty two and verse one. <clears throat> It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now, if you're a believer here this morning, okay, listen to me. I'm not talking about I'll walk in prayer, praying, I'm good to go type thing. I'm talking about a true born-again faith that's inside of you. If you are a believer, you can put your name in the place of Abraham. Now, it came to pass after these things that God God tested David that God tested Nathan, that God tested Melissa, that God tested Donna, that God tested, you know, you can put your name there, because here's a guarantee. If you're a true believer, you're going to be tested. That's right. You're going to face tests, and God's going to allow tests, and sometimes God's going to bring tests. And we're not talking about temptation. We're talking about test, the testing or the trying of your faith. There is no going around this. And so when I saw that, uh, it says, Tested Abraham and said to him, Here I am, Abraham said, here I am in verse 2. Then he said, take now your son. Now let's look at this test. Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up in the morning, he saddled his donkey, he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, he saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we, notice he says, and we will come back to you. There's a lot of things in this chapter I won't cover this morning. It's just full of his amazing things that you can learn of God. But when you look at this, and now I want you to turn to first Peter while you're turning there. I need to yawn and get this out. Now you're looking at me and I can't yawn. Alright. Um, y'all help me. Everybody yawn together. Oh man, that's good. I still didn't get it out. Okay, I might yawn in a second, maybe. All right, <clears throat> when you look at the test, I don't—I don't know if any of us have ever been tested. I don't, none of us have ever been tested in this way. Okay, here we go. It, this is between God and Abraham, and and, and you know, I've saw many, so many times in my life, I look at things going on that are tests, and sometimes I don't recognize them as God's testing in my faith. And, and, and they are so one of the, I honestly, I've had the two of the roughest weeks that I've had the last two weeks in several areas. And God brought me to this place to go. Do you see how applicable this is? I'm like, Lord, I just didn't see it Uh because I don't see it. And sometimes I don't call it for what it is. But, but when I compare what I've been going through to what Abraham is facing here, it's nothing, That's right. it's nothing. And so I thank God for his mercy. But, but when you look at tests Uh, starting off in, in first Peter, we'll start in verse three. It said, blessed be the God of our father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Who are kept? Now, I, want, I want I want to back up and read this again. I want you. To, I want this to drill into you this morning. This is this is what God has done, and it's all about you. This is what you have if you're a born again believer. <clears throat> he says he's shown us abundant mercy. He has begotten us again. Means we're born as a child of God to a living hope. How through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And you are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And notice, this is where it switches to us, okay? Look in verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, if need be, You have been grieved by various trials. Understand that the test or the trials that we go through sometimes grieve us. It's very grievous. Let's not paint a picture of, oh, I just, you know, I got cancer and I just praise the Lord for it. Come on. Don't buy into what people say. It's okay for you to grieve in tests and trials. I don't think Abraham was whistling while he was chopping the wood that he was expecting to burn his son up with. Some trials that we go to, most most trials and tests of our faith are grievous. And we grieve through them. But it says that, why do we do this? And this is why I ask God, God, why in the world would you ask this of Abraham? That was my question when I started studying this chapter. Why, why God, why would you test his faith? I mean, God, you're all knowing God. You know what Abraham's going to do. You know everything. So why in the world, not only him, but why would you test any of us? Why would you allow us to go through these things that bring us through grief and struggle and all of this? Okay, look what it says. <clears throat> that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found. Notice, notice what this is all about here. This is not an American dream. That it may be found to praise Honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see what it's all about? So, Lord, why would you allow me to be tested like this so that when you stand before me, it's for my praise, my honor, my glory. Amen. Some of you are sitting here going, hmm, because I, I did too. I thought, man, I just, that don't sound too comfortable. And, and how is that a blessing? Stick with me. It says, whom having not seen, you love Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice, notice what it says here, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That doesn't mean you you are saved because you, it means that we have the complete salvation in the end when we stand before the Lord. Now, let me give you some things that I wrote that I'm just going to read you, okay, because i ain't going to remember them to start with. Why in the world does God try us or prove us or, or test us? You can go ahead and start turning back to uh, Genesis 22 because I'm going to get back there. Number one, if you want to write these down and study them out, I want you to look at this and see how it applies to your life. I mean, I've already applied it to my life, okay? So this is not about, this is about, I want you to apply it to your life. Number one, it's the revelation of our heart. The genuineness of our faith. What is your faith made of? See, because when God tests us, when we go through tests, it is a squeezing. It's like the fire that melts away the dross of the silver. It's the fire for the purpose of purifying the gold. And it's the squeezing of the heart so that we can see what we're really made of. The sincerity, the strength, the purity of our faith. Second thing is, it's an offering to the Lord. When you go through tests... And here's where I mean, a lot of people think, well, I don't want to go through that. I'm not so much concerned about the Lord. I'm concerned as long as I go to heaven. You look at that as the blessing and you miss the whole thing. The blessing is not, well, I made it to heaven, okay? No more than it was, hey, I had Isaac as a son. The blessing is, what does your life and your faith bring to the throne of God? Because he deserves all glory and all honor and all praise. And so when you look at this, when God allows us to go through tests in our life, we are, what it talks about in Romans chapter 12, we are offering our lives up as a sacrifice of worship. In order to say, if this test and my trial, even my suffering, comes to a place where God gets the glory and people see Jesus, then I'm happy with that. Now all of us can't say that. And I can't tell you that I say that or that I always say that. Okay, but that's what but that's what this is talking about, and it's also a testimony of our true faith to other believers. Because everybody says they, they you know, most of the time nowadays, especially in in the church area of the South, everybody knows Jesus, everybody's saved, everybody has faith, everybody believes. But when you yourself have watched believers go through horrendous trials of struggles and things like that, and and their faith stands strong, and you see them come stronger even through that trial, and they have joy and hope, and they express a continual gratitude and a love towards God, you go, that's not normal. Anybody has a wordy faith, but there's a faith that comes from God that produces those things in trials and tests in which God even allows us to be squeezed the the very foundation of our faith was built upon the death of believers right. when the church was at its strongest was when it was ankle deep in its own blood because people saw that and they went this is not religion this is not just some wordy faith this is real and so the that's why God allows that but 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 the second reason why we go through trials is it talks about the revelation of God. When you look here in, in Genesis chapter 22, God uses tests to reveal himself to us in ways that, that normal circumstances would not show himself to us. So why, is it, why does God want to reveal himself to us? Number one, that we might know him greater. Shouldn't that be our desire? Man, as a Christian, I want to know God. And and so that we might understand him greater, that we might love him greater, and that we might bring him greater glory. That might not be your mindset, but that's a biblical mindset of what faith is all about. It's not about us. It wasn't about Abraham. It wasn't about Isaac. God said, this is my plan. This is who I am. And the only reason you have Isaac is because I gave him to you. And you're going to give him back to me. Okay? Now, let me read this. This is what I want to read to you. There are those who have faith according to words. They only know of God by what they have heard or what they have read. True faith is more than words. There is a faith that calls us to follow, to seek Him at all costs. It is a faith that believes God, that trusts God, that desires to know Him. It's a faith that's compelled by love, it's willing to sacrifice And even takes joy in the sacrifice and suffering if it's for the glory of God. That's not only a faith in God, but a faith of God. Placed in your heart by the Holy Spirit. It's not a faith that you and your own strength and ability muster up. Okay, I'm going to really show my faith in God. There's a difference between faith in God and the faith of God because the faith of God is Christ Jesus in you. We would have to believe when we look at the life of Christ, He was joyfully, the Bible said, for the joy that was set before Him in Hebrews chapter 12, that He endured the cross. He counted it a joy to submit himself to the Father's will. The Bible talks about to be bruised, to be brutally beaten, to suffer, to, to, to take on the form of a servant. Even all, all prior to the cross, all the things, the humility and, and the things that Jesus suffered, the constant verbal attack, the satanic attack, he counted it a joy because it glorified the Father. That's what Christ is, and I would have to believe that if Christ is in me, and if you're a born again believer, Christ is in you, that. that the very thing He produces in me is the faith of God that goes I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to struggle. I can have hope. I can have joy. I can go through the test and God is glorified Then I'm good with that. Even when I grieve. Okay? Even when I struggle. And so in that (laughs) it's only a faith in God but the faith of God placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It is a faith that holds on, that continues to overcome, that presses towards the mark that's motivated by the overwhelming awareness of God's grace towards us and our desire to bring Him glory and to see His face. Now, which faith do you possess? You know, we read all these phrases in the Bible where Paul said, I press towards the mark. You look in the book of Revelation where it says, And to he that overcomes. There's a lot of words there that we look at and go... If we're, if if our faith is just focused around a church meeting, you go, what's hard to overcome? The AC breaking down? You know, yeah, I'll be there. As long as it don't stay too long. But in the Bible, when you look at it, you go, A faith that overcomes talks about when your faith is under fire, that you love God so much and that God is in you. He's the one who is pressing you towards the mark. He's the one that you hear His voice go, Hold on and keep on because you realize the grace of God in your life and what He has done for you is so overwhelming. That you go, "I've got, No matter what, God, no matter what, I'm going to press. Because more than I want to see heaven, more than I want to, you know, just make it, I want to see his face. And I want to stand before him and I want him to be glorified. See, the day of judgment is not about me. It's not about you. It's about what glory will I bring to God when I stand up before him. And he reviews my life. Do I have that kind of faith? You know, when you look at the test Abraham went through here, God had spoke to Abraham on several occasions. And he, and he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your seed. and I'm going to multiply you more than the sands of the sea, more than the stars of the sky. And he always spoke the blessing, but God never just broke down the details of the blessing to him there's so many of us who we hear, you know, whether it's through preaching or whether it's through your parents, hopefully, or, or Sunday school teachers or on the radio. You hear about the blessings of God and you hear about the things of God and the promises of God and its words to you. And some some of you speak, it, but I'm talking about, do you understand the blessing of God? Do you grasp what God's done? Because at this point, Abraham, he had Isaac and he thought, this is great. Some of us have the life that God's given us by His grace, and we're like, this is great. You know, the Lord's blessed me with a a wonderful wife and family, and He provides for us. And all these are good, temporary blessings. But if that's all you see Christianity to be, you've totally missed it. You totally missed the blessing. And listen to me, even heaven is not the blessing. The promised land that He gave Abraham, it wasn't what it was all about. And so he had to bring Abraham to a place where he could understand the blessing because when you understand it, it radically changes your life and, and everybody around you. And so now he was going to come to understand it and how he's going to do it through this test. Because here's the thing, you will never live for, sacrifice for, suffer for, give to, serve for, sing for, or do anything that you do not believe or understand. That's right. You know why in a lot of churches, not just this, I know you're some worshiping folk, okay? a lot of other churches, there are people who just stand there, and they're not excited. They won't even offer up the sacrifice of singing. People won't bow down to the Lord. People don't care nothing about giving. Not that we need your money, and God doesn't need your money, okay? You know what I'm saying. And, and, and when you mention serving, everybody kind of looks around, hoping it passes over us like the death angel. And here's the thing. I can stand up here and coach you and coerce you and all that kind of junk, but you will never sing for worship, give to, sacrifice, especially suffer for what you personally do not believe or understand. And I think churches are full of people who just don't understand the blessing and what it took for you to be able to say, I'm a born again believer and I have a living hope, a, a, a home in heaven reserved for me. Do you understand what it took, what God went through for you to be able to just simply speak that? When you look at this, you know, here it is in in the greatest trial of Abraham's life. He would come to understand. That's why we're in a trial. Rather than focusing on you. When you go through those tests, get your eyes off your feelings and off your circumstances. And turn your eyes towards heaven. And go, God, I don't want to miss you in this. I don't want to miss what you're trying to show me in this, whether it's of myself or whether it's of you, God, because this is something that is eternal, life changing, and you're trying to, you wouldn't allow me to suffer if there wasn't some good to come through this. Right. And so in this, I want, let's, let's go through this real quick and starting in verse, Three. Now I want you to put yourself in Abraham's place, okay? If you are Abraham, I'm sorry Travis. If you were Abraham, you had waited and traveled into a foreign country and been living in tents and doing all that he had done for 25 years waiting on a son. That's all you wanted. You're a hundred years old, God miraculously gives you this son. His name is Isaac. His main name means laughter. And all of a sudden, Isaac. Most people say that Isaac's scholars say Isaac was above twenty years old here. So you've had him for about twenty years, and you're like, "All right, you know this is great." God, I'm walking in your blessings in your favor. Thank you, buddy. I'm walking in your blessings in your favor, and, and this is good. And then and then God interrupts. and says, "Now I want you to take that son that I promised." Now remember, He promised him. In Isaac all the all the earth will be blessed. I'll make nations out of him. It's a promise of God. And now God says, Now I want you to sacrifice him. What would go through your mind if God put you in such a test as that? God, I want you to give your son, your only son? The thing you love most. The thing you've lived your whole life for. I want you to take that boy, walk him up a mountain and sacrifice him for me. Just because I said. Just because I'm worthy. I I probably wouldn't respond the way Abraham did. Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took two men with him, Isaac his son. And he split the wood for a burnt offering. Can you imagine what was going through his mind when he was splitting that wood? He was just like us. He was flesh and blood. He was questioning God. I don't understand it. And what I want you to get, it's okay for you to question God. It's okay for you to go, God, I just don't understand this. I'm going to do this because you're, you're allowed in my life. I want my faith to be strong. God, I understand, Lord, because I've been faithful and I've tried to do what you asked me to do. God, here I am. I, I don't, I don't get this, but it didn't stop him from splitting the wood and he split the wood and he's going through this torment in his mind. So Abraham, in verse 6, he took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two men went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? (laughs) Isaac's getting a little nervous here. In verse eight, Abraham said, "My son, don't miss this. My son, God will provide for Himself the lamb for the burnt offering." So the two of them went together, and so here they are. They're going up to worship. Doesn't look like modern day worship, okay? They're not all carrying, you know, carrying their phone Bible and going to sing a little song. And this is worship. This is where God commands, and it hurts, and you still do. Here's nothing he's ecstatically happy over. Abraham didn't come and go, Hey, I got a bonus at work this week, so I got a reason to worship. He's like, God's called on me to make a sacrifice. Is God that important to me? Do I love God in such a way? Do I know God in such a way as that Abraham loved and knew God to where if God asked this of me, I would go, Oh, yeah. I don't understand it. I don't necessarily like it. But because he's God. But because he's Lord. That's what it means when you say, Jesus is Lord. And so it says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide a lamb for himself for the burnt offering. Verse nine, then they came to the place of which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and he placed the wood in order. Now, Abraham is building his altar and he places Isaac on the altar. Now, there's there. Like I said, there's so many parallels here that we see. But here's the thing. Remember, Isaac is above 20. He could have said, man, forget this. What are you talking about? Imagine what happened when his father revealed God's plan to him. You know, Abraham, I love you so much. But God asked me to offer you up on this on this altar as a sacrifice. I've got to do that because I love God. I don't understand it, but I know he loves us and I know his plan is good for us. And Isaac was so influenced by not only his father's love, but God. He wanted to submit to his father. He's like, okay. He had to wrestle his son down on there. Isaac just laid down on the altar? How many of us do that? And what the Bible calls for us to do? The Bible calls for us to be a living sacrifice. Not that God should have to wrestle us down and strap us to something that he calls us to do. We always want to paint this picture of believers who run from God. If there's one, one scripture all believers know is Jonah. Man, I took, I'm running from God, I'm running from God. That's, that's not honorable. That was a stupid mistake on Jonah's part. Right. Our desire should be then, then no need for cords, Lord. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly lay down whatever you call me to do, whatever you ask of me, God. I, I want to be that sacrifice. Can you imagine? Think about this. Can you imagine the uh, the conversation that took place here between the father and the son? Think about all that went through Abraham's mind prior to this, okay? And then all of a sudden the conversation that they were having here at the altar. Let me go ahead and tell you from some some of you who don't know. When Abraham was walking up here, I think I missed a passage of scripture actually, where it said, you know, three days he it said he looked ahead and he saw it he was seeing a lot more than just a mountain I believe he was looking ahead seeing what God was going to do because two thousand years later in this exact place actually it's the place where you look on the map now and you see the what's called the dome of the rock they believe that to be the place Muslims say this is where God where Abraham sacrificed Ishmael no it's not it's the place where God ordained for well, like the scripture says that he offered up Isaac. 2,000 years later, it's the exact same place where the father would offer up his only son. This is the place of the cross. And so what God's doing is, he's showing Abraham, let me show you what I'm going to go through in order that you can be blessed. Can you imagine what God the father went through prior to the cross? We don't even think in eternity past, but if we go just from the time that Jesus was born and the Father who was so pleased—you know, y'all got kids, a lot of you, most of us—you got kids, or maybe you got grandbabies, and you look at those babies from the time of little being like they're the best thing. You love them so much, and and they're horrible. Jesus is perfect. You know what I'm saying? God the Father looked at him like this. <laughs> No, no need for correction. He doesn't frustrate me sometimes. He doesn't cause me to pull my hair out. He's perfect. Y'all with me? Yeah. Amen. And he loves his son more than anything. His son just loves him. And whatever the father does, the son's like, okay. And the father's like, I'm gonna have to cause you to suffer some. He's like, if it's for your glory, that's great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're gonna, you're, you're not gonna have a house to sleep in. Sometimes you're not gonna have food to eat. Sometimes you're gonna wash people's feet who despise you. Sometimes you know, you're going to come to a place where people are going to mock you and beat you to a bloody pulp and totally disgrace you. And they're going to pull your hair out and your beard out and smote you in the face. People that despise you. They're going to curse you. They're going to curse your name. They're going to nail you to a tree. Can you imagine what went through God's... I don't know, but I would have to believe it had to be torment to know... That his son was going to feel those things and experience those things. And yet he allowed that. And not only allowed it, but he, he ordained it for his son to suffer in such a way. And for Jesus, can you imagine what went through his mind? You realize when he cried out on the cross, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All that, all that he was going through. When he was separated at that moment, first time ever, him and his father had ever been separated, and he was think about this. He was being looked upon by his father as a curse. He realized his father saw him, and if you ever, if you've ever, you know, wondered if you, if you're one of your parents is disappointing you, at this time the father was looking at him as cursed, and the Bible said that God tormented him. He was enduring hell on the cross. It wasn't just the physical things he went through. It was the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, everything all together in one right there that Christ went through. And Abraham is in this place, in this test, and he's feeling this. He's starting to get a grasp and understanding of what the blessing was. And so it says that, that, um, that he built the altar in a place... The wood on the altar, forgive me, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. This wasn't a drama. It's not an act. The Bible says in Hebrews that by faith Abraham offered up his son Isaac, believing that God would raise him from the dead. He knew God promised that he was going to have children. And even though he didn't make sense, he'd understand. He's like, okay, God, I believe that you I know you won't lie. I thought that was awesome. He was so confident. God won't lie to me. God always keeps his word. That he raised and I thought, I'm fixing to kill my son, believing that you're going to raise him from the dead. It's exactly what God did with his own son. And so in that, it says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad nor do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So didn't didn't God already know that? There's a lot of things God already already knows, but God allows us to go through them so that not only He sees it, because God looks for a living faith. That's that's difficult to grasp, ain't it? So if God already knew it, why would He do it? That's just the way God works. And most of it is for our benefit. It's for our benefit and for His glory. And He says this, Then Abraham lifted his eyes. Look at this awesome right here. Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up for the burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place If your Bible says, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide as it is this day. In the mount of the Lord, notice what it says, it shall be provided. Get the implications of this. You put yourself in the place where either one of them, pick your choice, Isaac or Abraham. Can you imagine when you was looking at your child with a knife raised and you were fixing to run it through their chest? What was going through his mind? I think I don't know which one would be worse. You imagine Isaac sitting there looking to the eyes of his father with a knife phrase, knowing he's fixing to take his life, and all of a sudden you hear the voice of God go, just hold on a second. And you see that. Do you realize how precious that ram became to them at that point when Isaac was loosened off of the judgment? That's what, all of a sudden, Abraham, rejoicing with joy unspeakable, full of glory, cut his son free. Isaac stands up. He is ecstatic because this ram was offered, you know what I'm talking about, Nate, in his place. And all of a sudden, this ram, they strap him down, they pierce him through. The blood is shed. God sees His Son and He's satisfied. And can you imagine? You know, back in First Peter where it says that, that you love Him and now you, you have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know when the worship took place? It's when Him and the boy was coming down off the mountain. When they were walking free away from the cross. It didn't cost them anything didn't cost them one thing. It cost the the ram everything. And God was showing him right there. I want you to understand what the blessing is. This is what it cost. If anybody understood the cross, it was Abraham and Isaac. This is what it cost because here's where I'm at. If you put that in modern day terms, you are strapped to a judgment of sin. So, So am I, so bound. By awaiting my judgment to where God's wrath is raised on me. Fixing to come down on me. And then Jesus steps up and he's like, cut him loose, let him go. And I get to step down from that. And he stepped up to it. And he took my place in my stead. When you grasp that, nobody has to coerce you to serve. Or to worship. And you go, I don't know how can people have joy in suffering? I can have ecstatic joy because of what's been done for me and the grace of God that was shown to me. And you'll remember later on in the book of John, chapter eight, the Pharisees, the religious people, they were just hacking on Jesus. And he, he said well, this Abraham they was talking there and he was talking about Abraham and, and Jesus said Abraham saw my day, and he rejoiced in it. And they said, you ain't even 50 years old. Are you greater than our father Abraham? or do you know Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. So when did Abraham see his day? Right there. Abraham saw Jesus sacrificed on the cross right there. And so when you look at that, and think about this. There wasn't nobody else there. There wasn't no crowd. It was just for God and them. You know, what? that's what the cross is about. It's not about a crowd. It's not how everybody gets hyped up. It's about, do you have you seen that in your life? Do you have the faith in your heart that's been placed there by God because you have seen and you understand what Jesus had to do so that you could comfortably sit here and go, oh, yeah. I'm a believer. Really? Is that all that's produced 45 minutes a week, an hour with me, to where we can, you know, we'll mumble some words when we sing. We'll try to stay focused as we think. I think what's lacking in the church today is an understanding of what it took for us to be able to go, oh, yeah, I have a home in heaven. When you read my obituary, it'll say, He's with the Lord really what if you were in God's place what would you expect what would you desire what would you think would happen if somebody who couldn't care less was strapped to a judgment and you offered your child in their place so they could get up and go free what would you expect of that person do you expect that person to go every once in a while? Go, oh yeah, um, thank you, Lord. Hope nobody sees me do that because I'm embarrassed. Yeah, uh, you know, I, hey, I'll, I'll show up in memory of of what you did for me for 15 minutes a week. I guess every once in a while, I think I would lose my mind. God's way more merciful than what I am. I would, I would really, if I offered up any of my kids, and for anybody in here, I sure expect some gratitude's what I'd expect. You know what I would expect? I would expect your life. I would expect your life to honor them totally because that's the only reason it's your life. I don't think God's asking nothing of me when he says, I want you to represent me. I want you to live for me because I died for you. I think one of these days we're going to fully grasp it. I think it's why worship in heaven is going to be so powerful. Is because I think that one day, as every person here, I think we're going to look into the lake of fire. We're going to see the great white throne of judgment. You're going to see people who rejected Jesus. Who said, no, I'll do my things my way. Or I'll have religion. Or I'm good enough. And you're going to see them. You're going to watch them cast into the very thing that you and I deserve to go to with them. And at that moment, you're going to realize the only reason I avoided that is because of him. And then we're going to have a worship service. And some of you folk is going to unloosen when reality sets in but you know what we, sh- we shouldn't have to wait till then right. I looked at this this week and I thought you know what does the cross really mean to me and what does the grace of God mean to me in my life because if, if, I lie, I'm, I'm good with a lot of wordy stuff but when I look at my life go Lord are you, are you glorified with me does my life and the way that I live honor you because i got a lot of changes I need to make. I mean, I look at my life and I, and I see what God's done for me. And what I offer God is pretty pathetic, if you want to know the truth. When I finished this up last night, I, I closed my Bible and I said, Lord, I don't necessarily have that kind of faith to the fullness. But God, I want to. Am I asking for tests? No, I'm not asking for tests. I'm not asking for trials. But you know what? If that's what it takes... For God to mold me into the person that he wants to be, I, I do. I can say with all my heart, I'm not saying this for any attention. I'm like, I saying, Lord, I love you. That's right. And what you've done for me just <laughs> overwhelms me. Right. Could never do enough, give enough, push enough, preach enough, pray enough, praise enough, God. And God, forgive me for the wickedness of my heart when I just forget you. Right. go hours and days and weeks and never even... Think about what your desire is for your glory. God's pathetic is what it is. But I thank God he's merciful. He's like, all right, I'll give you breath of life. Use it. Do something with it. Make a change. Maybe you're here today and you're in that place where you go, I, I need to make a change. I need to come to the place. Maybe you're totally lost. You've never come to a place where you went, you know what, I've, I've walked an and now I've did that. But when you ask me if I have that kind of faith, I don't have that faith. I don't have that in me. I don't love God in that way. Maybe you need God. Maybe you need to trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's not about you. I'm not asking you to walk down here and make a profession. I'm asking you to look at your own heart, in your own soul, and go, am I a child of God? Do I realize how much God loves me? Do you, if you don't see anything else, cause here's the last thing, I'm, I'm done, I went over, as I always do. But think about this. God showed himself to Abraham seven times. This was the last time that God spoke or showed himself to Abraham. You know why? Because once you see the cross, what more can God do? What can he add to the cross? Nothing, because the cross is the full revelation of God's love and his goodness and his mercy towards sinners. And once we get that, there ain't nothing else I need. If you don't see that today, if you never trust in Jesus, you are loved beyond any kind of thought, illustration, or imagination. And you have to stand at the foot of the cross and look to what Jesus has done because he's screaming to you, I love you, I'm doing this only because I love you, and I'm offering you the forgiveness of sins and the salvation of your soul. If you just humble yourself and receive it and turn to him. If you haven't never done that, you can do it right now. You don't need to come down here. Do it right where you sit, right where you stand. I'm going to ask you to meet with me. Meet with the Lord. Meet with the one who gave his life for you. Are you standing with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you and I thank you, God, that you love us. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Lord, I I thank you for the test that I would never go through on my own. I thank you, Lord, that you bring us to a place in life where you reveal to us what's really in us. Lord, we'll lie to ourselves. We'll convince ourselves. But God, when things happen like this, Lord, the truth comes out. Lord, oftentimes when it comes out, I, I don't like what I see. And God, I thank you that you continue to bring us to a place to show us these things, not because you want to condemn us, but because you want to, you want to change us and you want to, you want to work in us, God, and you want to, you want to make us new and you want to revive us and you want to raise us and you want to save us. Lord, I, I pray in this crowd for people just to be honest with you today, God. When they look at their hearts, Lord, that they wouldn't lie to themselves, but God, they would, They would listen to what the truth is revealed. Lord, if there's someone here that's lost, that they'd turn their heart to you right now where they stand. And God, as your people, I pray that we come to an understanding of the blessing and realize the great sacrifice you made just to give us life. Lord, how greatly we're loved. That your grace would impact our heart and change the way we live and what we live for. God, we would live for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.